Do you know all the conflicts of interest that exist between you and your financial planner? Do you actually know how your financial planner is getting paid? In this episode, we're going to pull back the curtain and expose all the nasty truths on how planners make money. Welcome to the Financial Residency Podcast, where we are devoted exclusively to the financial well-being of physicians and helping you achieve the financial freedom you deserve. This is your financial residency without the long hours and sleepless nights. Let's welcome your host and primary care physician for your finances, Ryan Inman. Hello and welcome to the Financial Residency Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Inman, and today we're going to be talking with Tim Baker, owner of Script Financial, which is a fee-only financial planning firm that works exclusively with pharmacists. Tim is also the co-owner of Your Financial Pharmacist, a giant online community exclusively for pharmacists as well. I've had the great pleasure of knowing Tim for a few years. Tim's a great guy. We met through the XY Planning Network, which ironically, this is exactly where we are recording this. We are live from the FinCon booth at the XY Planning Network's conference in Dallas. Tim and I have a great discussion on how advisors get paid and the differences between fee-only, and fee-based advisors. And while those sound very similar, I kind of think it's the intention of confusing people. It's already hard enough to understand a lot of this stuff. The industry is really set up to confuse and have this giant black box, which is, I think, ridiculous. We really talk about the differences between fee-only and fee-based. He goes into a little bit about why fee-based advisors charge what they charge what their motives are, and really where a lot of the conflicts of interest are. And, you know, while I haven't worked as a fee-based advisor before, Tim has. And so he kind of pulls back the curtain and exposes a lot of stuff that um, is common knowledge if you work in the industry, but is not common knowledge if you don't have kind of that insider track. You know, it might sound like I'm hating on fee-based advisors a lot in this episode, and Tim as well. And that's not to say that they're not great people. I know actually quite a few fee-based advisors that are amazing people outside of work, but I don't align my values and a lot of fee-only advisors, they don't align their values with fee-based advisors. So as we go through this show, you're going to realize that a very small population of people who call themselves financial advisors are fee-only. And I believe it was NAFA that did the study that said, Less than 3% of all advisors out there, that could be an investment advisor, a financial planner, a financial advisor, there's all sorts of names for this, but less than 3% of them are fee only. So if you line up a hundred advisors that want to talk to you, three or less than three of them are going to be fee only. And you're going to understand after hearing this episode, why that matters and why that's a big deal to then find someone who specializes in your industry. So physicians that are listening to this, finding a fee-only advisor that specializes in working with physicians, or in Tim's case, a fee-only financial advisor that works exclusively with pharmacists is even harder to find. Also, before today's show, I want to make sure to announce this important disclaimer. I am a fee-only financial planner and a fiduciary for my clients. But let's be honest, I don't know you or anything about you. This show is for educational purposes only and shouldn't be taken as legal or financial advice. Please consult your attorney, CPA, or your fee-only financial planner before you take any action or make any important financial decisions. 
before we jump into the interview with Tim. Here is this week's digestible tip. If you're working with someone that helps you manage your money, helps you get your goals in order, understand your cash flow and budgeting, they can call themselves a financial advisor, a financial planner, an investment advisor, or any other name that they want to call themselves, a financial coach, whatever it may be. Find out how they're paid. Ask them point blank. Is the only money that you make what we have discussed and signed in a client agreement? Or can you make commissions and referrals from different links? Or do you get kickbacks from introducing me to people? How do you actually get paid? And listen and truly understand how they get paid before you continue working with them. You need to know what conflicts of interest are truly in your best interest or if they're in the best interest of them. I got Tim here, Tim Baker, and I'd like to introduce you. Tim, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and and what you're up to? Yeah, my name is Tim Baker. I am a certified financial planner and owner of Script Financial. And what Script Financial is, is a fee-only financial planning firm for Gen X and Gen Y pharmacists. That's that's our niche. So similar to you, Ryan, you know, very niche down. You, You do physicians, and I provide financial planning for pharmacists. So Really enjoying our time here in Dallas and talking to a lot of great people and you know learning what, what others are doing and uh, just excited to be here. Awesome, man. Well, I'm excited to have you here and, and you guys are doing some great stuff through Script Financial and, and your financialpharmacist.com, I believe is what it is. Yeah, I guess I should have brought that up. So I'm also the co-host of the Your Financial Pharmacist podcast, which is a, a podcast with my partner, Dr. Tim Ulbrich, who is the uh, associate dean of Northeast Ohio Medical University in Ohio. And basically, we distribute a podcast every week on a variety of financial topics. Um, We have a debt-free pharmacist. We have Ask Tim and Tim. We're fixing to launch our 10th episode tomorrow. So, you know, it's it's pretty new, but uh, we're excited. And also part of the Your Financial Pharmacist team is Dr. Tim Church, who is a pharmacist down in uh, Florida with uh, the Veterans Administration. So lots of Tims, lots of pharmacy, lots of personal finance. But I think it's a, it's a good group, and we're excited to push out content via the blog, but also the podcast, and it's a good group to work with. Yeah, that's awesome. So it's, so it's three Tims at uh, yourfinancialpharmacist.com, and that is Your Financial Pharmacist Podcast, I believe is the title. Yeah, that's the title of the podcast. And you know, if you go to yourfinancialpharmacist.com, you'll see links to the podcast there. And I guess another mention that I should uh, bring up that is if you're a pharmacist out there and you're listening to the podcast is the other two Tims wrote a book that was released this year called Seven Figure Pharmacist. I wrote the forward for the book. book and it's a, it's a great comprehensive look at the financial planning and directed towards the pharmacist who you know, would typically come out of pharmacy school with average of $150,000 in debt and just how to navigate that and insurance and all the questions that you have. So also, if you go to yourfinancialpharmacist.com, you can find a link to purchase the book. And I highly, highly recommend it. These guys, you know, they know what they're talking about and uh, they'll be a great resource. So again, excited to work with those guys and and continue to roll out that great content. Awesome. Well, we are going to jump in today to talk about how advisors get paid. And The reason why I thought I'd bring you on to talk about this today is, one, it'd be more fun to have a conversation about it as opposed to me just talking about how myself, along with some of the other people in the industry, get paid. And I know that you've worked a a few different areas inside the industry that I actually haven't. So I I think we're going to get a good refresher on some of the new stuff, but really talking about the difference between 
fee-based and fee-only financial planning. I get asked all the time. The industry really, I mean, I feel is built on confusing people and yes. the fact that you call it fee-based versus fee-only commissions and all these kind of things. So if you could just kind of take it from a high level and let's just talk on maybe what commissions are and start from there and, and really talk in detail about fee-based planning. Yeah, it's such an interesting topic and it's really kind of a black box in a, in, a, in a way that a lot of people don't really understand the whole dynamic. And, and for a lot of people that come to talk to me, they think that fee-based and fee-only are synonymous, and they're really not. I think for listeners to understand, you basically have a commission-based advisor, you have a fee-only advisor, and then you have all the gray area in between, which is fee and commission which the fee-only world would like that to be the designation, but it's the fee and commission is also called fee-based. And to kind of back up to talk about a commission, you know, a commission is really the compensation that the advisor sells as a result of selling a product. Mm-hmm. So, Ryan, you come to me, you're a pharmacist, and you say, hey, I really would love to open up a Roth IRA and buy a mutual fund. If I am a a fee-based advisor, I can sell you a mutual fund and earn a commission on that mutual fund. So like if it's an upfront commission, which is an A share, I can earn a 5% commission. If it's a C share, I can earn you know, a 1% commission with a 1% trail. So this is a little bit more technical, but there is a conflict there because every product has a different commission schedule. And you have to ask the question of, is this really in the best interest of me or is it in the best interest of the client? And I think what the fee-only world does is it separates the product and the advice that's given. So in my world, when you say, hey, I really want to you know, open up an, an IRA and invest, I could say, okay, well, I can buy you whatever product. I don't care about the product. My compensation remains the same. So that's really the difference is separating the product from the advice. And that's what the the fee-only world does. And it's not to say that the commission or the fee-based advisors are out there. I used to be one. And I can kind of go in that in a second, but they're not bad people. But my whole point is, why introduce the conflict of interest there if you don't need to? And for someone like me to make the pivot early on in my career and just have my clients know that I have their best interests in mind, to me, that's a warm blanket for the client. And it's a warm blanket for me because I want them to know that fact. Awesome. And so I, you said a couple of great things here that I want to jump back to. So let's go back to fee-based and when you're talking about commissions and and share classes, and you mentioned something that's interesting that I I haven't talked about yet, is trails. So can you kind of just go quickly again and recap what the the commission structure would be on on what that exactly is and the trail piece on that and what that exactly means? Sure. So like for an A-share mutual fund, you know, if I get a client that's looking to come on board with me and they show me kind of their portfolio... I might see mutual fund A, B, C, and then an A at the end. And I know that, or CL, which is class A. And I know that that particular advisor, you know, if they bought $1,000 worth of that mutual fund, they were charged probably a 5 to 6% commission. I think the typical one is about 55 or 5.75. So they charge that upfront. So that's an immediate haircut on that $1,000 investment. And then there's nothing after that. So, you know, when they sell out of it, there's no commission. They might pay a trading fee. You take the bite out of the investment upfront. You also have what's called C-share, where it's a smaller bite 
up front. It's a 1% commission up front that goes to the advisor. And then every year, it's almost like a fee, it's almost like a fee-based account where it's every year you're charging 1%. Mm-hmm. And in the long run, those particular types of accounts, although it's less painful in the beginning, over the long run, it's more painful to the account as it, as it grows. So working with a fee-only advisor who sells no-load mutual funds or ETFs or whatever, you know, where there's no commissions that come out and the, the investments are allowed to grow unadulterated is the way to go. Mm-hmm. But those are things that you have to understand. And those are the hard questions that you should be able to ask your advisor and they should be able to say exactly, this is what I'm going to get paid and this, that, and this is what that looks like. And for a lot of people, they're either scared to or the advisor will dodge the question. The transparency is, is huge in, in, in when working with someone that is dealing with your money. And, and I wouldn't be afraid to ask that in, in the least bit. No, not at all. And, and a lot of advisors, they, or I should say, some of these guys that sell these products, they're master salesmen. Mm-hmm. They've got a way with words that you ask a question, they'll redirect it, and you'll forget what you've been talking about. Yep. It happens to me, and I'm an advisor. I'll be talking to someone about what they do in a different industry, or excuse me, in a, in a, in a different manner. And we'll be asking, I'll go, how do you pay? What do you do? What do you do? And then literally never get my question answered. And I work in this industry and I see it. So for the client to be able to talk and and openly, you should be talking with the advisor on your goals and your life's dreams and the possibilities that are coming up and and the potential challenges. And when you open up to an advisor that way to really get help, you should be able to feel comfortable to say, how actually do you get paid again? Right. And it should actually be communicated very upfront yeah, prospect meeting. And it needs to be, it do, I mean, it does need to be a mutually beneficial arrangement. The client has to feel like the advisor, the planner has their best interests in mind. And, and the planner has to feel like they can, you know, build a business on helping clients achieve their why, like you talked about. Mm-hmm. All of this product stuff and all, it, it's all great to talk about, but really it's it's a tertiary issue to the, the issue of why are we here? Why do we accumulate this thing called money? Like, what's the purpose? And I think working with an advisor that can zero in on your why and keep that in the forefront of your mind as you are planning over the course of 10, 20, 30 years, that's the real value. The, 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 the fee only and the, and the, and the products and the, that stuff is important, but really working with someone that you trust and you feel comfortable almost asking anything mm-hmm. and having that honest back and forth and keeping your why at the forefront of the conversation is, is, is even more invaluable. Yeah, the question shouldn't be, how much money do you have? How much money do you have to invest? The question should be, what's your value of money? What, what are you trying to do? What, what are your dreams? What do you want to accomplish when you, when you start to do? Do you really yep. want to work in medicine? One of the big discussions I have is doctors, and, and I'm sure pharmacists are the same way, doctors don't get into medicine to become rich. They become doctors to help people. A lot of people prey on that, which is really unfortunate, and, and, and we can talk a little bit more about that, but they don't always want to work full-time in medicine, but getting through and working through their problems and working through their goals and seeing what they really want out of life, it usually comes up that, yeah, I don't want to work crazy hours and be on call three nights a week and, and do this. I would rather work three day, work a 0.5 schedule or, or, or go down a little bit lower and never quote unquote retire. And that really, that conversation never takes place with really with fee based, some fee based, they're not all bad people, but definitely not the commission guys that are pumping life insurance and things like that. 
Yeah, I mean, oftentimes it's you know, and you know, it's uh, hey, let me sell you a you know a crappy annuity or something and get my commission and move on. It's very transactional in nature, and that could be true in the pharmacy world. You know, that you have community pharmacists that work for big chains. It's basically they're under pressure to get their scripts filled, mm-hmm. and there's some analogies there, and it's rampant and just in healthcare too. It's you know the just just to see as many patients and all that kind of stuff. So that commission, that transactional behavior doesn't work in healthcare, in my opinion, and it doesn't work in financial planning. And it's the planners that I think that can slow down and say, why? Why are we here? Why focus so much time and energy and effort on this thing called money? That's I think if you can answer that and you can keep that, you know, keep your answer at kind of the forefront of your mind throughout your, your life and your career, you're going to be, you're going to be wealthy regardless of it. There's $5 million in your bank or $5,000 in your bank. Yeah, absolutely. And I think in order to move the industry forward, like us as planners need to keep doing a good job. And, and obviously you guys are doing great over at Script Financial. And um, so I do want to switch it into a little bit more on how advisors can be compensated. So as a fee-only advisor, I know that when, you, Tim, you're going to become my client, what we agree upon is my price, whether it's you know, $100 a month, $500, whatever it is, what we agree upon is the exact amount I'm, I'm going to get paid that you're going to pay me. I'm not, if I refer you to a CPA, I'm not getting a referral. Sure. If I'm going to refer you to, um, to an insurance uh, company that can help you with disability, I'm not going to get re- paid a commission. Can you kind of talk on the other side of this and say, here's a lot of the sneaky ways that other people are getting paid that maybe people listening that are working with fee-based advisors don't know that they're actually paying? When I was in the fee-based world, when a client would ask me, well, how do you get paid? I cringed at that question, not because I was doing all these sneaky sneaky things. It was more of, I had to ask the question, well, how much time do you have? Because it's going to take me a long time to kind of go through the laundry list. So I could either charge you an hourly rate. I could charge you a, you know, a percent of assets under management. So that's when, you know, if you have a, an IR, a 401k or a 403b to roll over to me to manage, I would charge a percent of, the, of that. It could be, like I said, a commission, you know, from an A share or a C mm-hmm. share. It could be a commission from an annuity or a life insurance product or something like that. Mm-hmm. So... I couldn't with certainty tell a client up front that this was going to be their fee. And to me, that's super frustrating. It's like, you know, it's kind of like the example that I give. We recently uh, moved to a new house in Baltimore and we hired movers and we were trying to, you know, be, you know, smart with our, our budget there. And we hired kind of basement level movers and really skimped on the fee. But then like when we got to move in like our TVs, they're like, sir, this is going to cost you another 40 bucks per TV. And just the fact that I didn't know it up front and I was being, I felt like upcharged. He could have said it was an extra 40 cents. I would have been upset that I just didn't know up front. Yeah. So, you know, the way that I do it, similar to you, you know, I kind of do a, um, a calculation that's based on income and net worth that I outline for the client. And then I show them that as part of, you know, our, our, our process and onboarding process with Script Financial. And then basically that is a fixed fee for that year. You yeah, know? it's and, an agreed upon price right. that you've set and that your client have set together. So it's fair market value for your services and your advice and your expertise. And that is all the client is paying. Right. If you refer them to anything else, you're not being right. compensated. You can't get a $10 Starbucks card. And I want to kind of back up here for a second. And Tim said he was fee-based and now he's fee-only. And I don't want people to think that, one, all fee-based people are, are horrible. But 
that you aren't a bad guy. The entire industry is built on this. Like we right. are the outliers. Fee only is the outliers. Right now, I think NAFA did a study that less than three percent of all advisors are fee only. And I want to emphasize that three percent of all advisors are fee only. So that means out of a hundred different advisors out there, they're all being charged in this really horrible way that you're we're kind of describing. Yep. And most people are completely unaware of it that and, and that fee only it exists. It's there. It's I honestly I think it's here to stay. This is the way the future is moving. Yep. It's a different way to, to really look at your investments and your financial plan. Yeah, and I think like, you know, you said it's 3% of financial advisors there. That's another thing. And I think, I forget who did the study, but there's there's maybe a hundred, and I don't know the, the, the study, of just different ways to call a financial, advi- a financial advisor a financial advisor. So you could be a financial planner, a wealth advisor, a life insurance agent. There's a million, you could be a wealth Tax ninja. Advisor, yeah, there's a million. So that's financial that's, coach. There's, there's a other, like the designation itself is hard to nail down. But, you know, when you're talking to a professional and you're looking to engage with them, you're going to want to ask how they get compensated. Are they a fiduciary? Have they signed, you know, a signed fiduciary with which I know that you have. It's on your website. Absolutely. Um, That's a great point is to sign a fiduciary oath. And really, it's a difference between we talk about this fiduciary standard of care versus the suitability standard of care. And really what that means, what I tell clients is, Ryan, if I'm selling you a suit, if I'm following the suitability standard of care, I just have to take your measurements and make sure that suit fits. Mm-hmm. If I'm following the fiduciary standard of care, not only does it, the suit have to fit, but it needs to look damn good on you. That's in your best interest. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can make a case that, hey, um, client, this annuity that I'm going to get an 8% commission on, that is suitable for your particular financial situation. But it is, it is sure as heck not going to be in your best interest in, mm-hmm. in nine times out of 10. And again, this is in very general terms. And I will say like, when I was in the fee-based world, there were mutual funds out there that I knew that paid me a higher commission. I knew that if I sold sold annuity, I would get a higher commission. I knew if I sold whole life versus term life insurance, I would get a higher commission. Mm-hmm. And those those decisions shouldn't pull the advisor one way or the other. You know, it should be about looking at, in my case, I look at the goals and I look at the balance sheet of that particular client and I say, this is the recommendation that I feel will grow your balance sheet and protect it. And anything less than that to me, you know, is, is, it falls below that, that fiduciary standard. And, you know, just things like, you know, as, as another example, when I was, you know, when I was in that world, I was starting my business, I would partner with mutual fund wholesalers. So these are guys that would come into your office and say, hey, sell my mutual fund. And I'd be like, okay, yeah, it's cool. You know? and, and then they would say, hey, can I help you, you know, do a happy hour and throw some bucks to cover your happy hour? And then they would do that. And I'm like, all right, well, now I kind of feel obligated to like sell their fund. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's just kind of part of business. But at the same time, like, I felt a little slimy. I needed to take a shower. And those, again, they're good guys, but that shouldn't play into the decision for me to pick the products out that meet our clients' goals, meet their why. And, and, and unfortunately, it does. And, and to me, the fee only kind of takes a lot of that stuff out. And, and let's be clear, every model out there has conflict of interest. I've heard of you know conflict-free advice. I don't think it exists. I have conflict of interest in my own pricing model, but I disclose that up front and you know, I let them know you know, if I give you them this type of recommendation, it does affect my compensation in some degree. And I think if an advisor can't answer that question of what their conflicts of interest, 
you know, I, I would take that as a major red flag. It's the most conflict-free you're going to get is by working with a fee-only financial planner, not a fee-based. And again, I know they're confusing, but you know, every model has its ups and downs. Everyone's got to eat. Everyone's got to work. And as long as your advisor, one is, is I believe, fee-only is the only way to go. But as long as your advisor can communicate effectively what it is that there could be a conflict of interest and you're okay with that, then it, it would be worth proceeding. Yeah, so I, and one of the examples of this is, Ryan, if you're a client and I charge you just based on assets under management, mm-hmm. so that is cash in you know an account, whether it's a brokerage account or an IRA, and I'm basically, you know, it's $100,000 and you're paying, I'm being paid 1% to manage that for you. If you walk out of this expo in Dallas and you trip and fall on another $100,000 and I'm being charged on AUM or you're being charged on AUM, you say, hey, what should I do with this? If I'm being compensated based on AUM, it's in my best interest for you to invest all Mm $100,000. But that might not be in your best interest. You might have some debt that you want to pay off. I know you're big into real estate, so maybe you want to invest in some properties. So there is conflict there and you can be fee only and just do AUM. So that's just some things to know. Don't be afraid to ask the question, is this recommendation, like how does this, how does your compensation change? And an advisor that is upfront and honest and has your best interest in mind will say, well, it's going to change by X, Y, and Z and let you know up front. And so like I said, there isn't anything that's conflict free. But just get that up front and, and, and then make the determination. Because ultimately, it's not your advisor's financial plan. It's your financial plan. The advisor is there to give you advice, maybe give you some alternatives, and then you know, go forth and conquer. That's kind of the idea there. Yeah. So when we're talking about it, and it's that concept of you, know, you, you basically fell into an extra 100000 If you had an aversion to debt and you had some student debt, it might be best to pay that off. If you're going for public student loan forgiveness, maybe it's not. Your advisor should be able to tell you, hey, this is why I don't think we should be paying off the student debt. But guess what? You've got a mortgage and you owe 200,000 on it. Maybe we chip away at some of this mortgage. Hey, you actually have built up your emergency fund, but you've been mentioning a lot that you want to take that your parents on a trip to you know, Greece and check this out, but you were going to do that in three years. Maybe we accelerate it a little bit and you do that in two years and invest a portion. That is all the conversation you should be having. And when your advisor looks at it in a whole, that is their job is to look at your entire financial picture and say, based on what I know about you, everything you've provided, this is my recommendation. You absolutely should say, does your advice change based on your compensation? Even if they're fee only, you know, if they're telling you, hey, put all this money into, you know, your taxable account at, at TD Ameritrade or, hey, you should put forty fifty five hundred dollars $5,500, you know, into your IRA and make sure you're maxing out this, you still should, even if you know the right answer, still ask it. Get in the habit of asking. Yeah, ask the question. Absolutely. Get in the habit of asking. It, it's just, it's going to be better. So I want to touch just quickly on what are some ways that advisors could get paid that consumers wouldn't know. Our listeners here are listening and going, okay, now I get the difference between fee-only and fee-based. How, how could some of these fee-based things be paid that I just don't know? Are they actually paying it or is it a referral fee? And, and yeah, there's, I mean, there's a bunch of ways. I mean, it could be a referral fees. It could be commissions that maybe aren't necessarily disclosed. So let's jump into the referral fees. Like what, what does that actually mean? I've said it a few times. You've said it. Let's, so let's a, jump in. A, a referral fee is basically where you have kind of a network of say other professionals that you work with and you know, whether it's a, you know, a real estate agent or a loan broker 
or a CPA that they'll give you what's called a finder's fee or a mm-hmm. referral fee. Again, and this, these situations aren't, aren't necessarily the worst thing in the world, but again, they need to be disclosed. And the fee-only advisors, is, they don't take these because it might not be in your best interest to work with this particular CPA or this particular real estate agent because they just don't fit your needs. So I think this comes into where you see a lot of square peg round holes. And there's more. And it's the same thing with the product. Is like I'm trying to force you into this annuity because I know it's probably not in your best interest, but I'm going to get paid on it. Same thing. I'm trying to force you into this relationship with a guy that, I'm, that I am friendly with and you know, we do business with, but it's maybe not in your best interest because I'm going to get that 500 bucks or whatever it is, that referral fee. Or it could be indirect. You know, yeah. I, I refer you to, uh, you know, this XYZ accounting and they do taxes. No, I don't get any referral fee from it, but he takes me golfing every couple right. of weeks at the country club and buys my round and, and all that. That still counts. Right. That still counts. Even if it's not a cash amount that is being transferred to my bank account, if the guy's taking me out or the gal's taking me out golfing or drinking or or whatever it might be on a nice trip with the family, anything, even a Starbucks, $10 Starbucks mm-hmm. gift card, fee-only financial advisors can't even accept a $10 Starbucks gift card. I still come across this as a fee-only advisor because, again, there's not many of us out there. And what I tell, what I tell these, you know, kind of these offers that are out there on the table, I'm like, look, I'm fee-only. I don't, I don't play that game. If you can rather pass the savings on to my clients in a way, whether it's a like a you know a discounted thing or just give them the gift card, I'd rather the client be taken care of because I know ultimately I think again the differentiator for us is going to be the fact that we're fee only, the fact that the fact that we are both niche and focusing on the needs of physicians and pharmacists. There's more than enough business there and more than enough people to help that I don't need to worry about these referral or these finder's fees. Well, and, and to that point, if I don't feel like I'm being compensated enough, I need to renegotiate mm, with the client. Right. And that's the thing on the advisor, that if you and I agree to work together and our fee is going to be $2,000 for the year and it's going to include everything, soup to nuts, everything is, is included in this, but I need to go out and make five referrals and put you into these things to make an extra 1000 bucks. That is almost a, a, a fail on the advisor's business. I should say, hey, I actually need three thousand right. dollars for this relationship, not two thousand. But charging three thousand dollars, if that's the case, and this is just an example, but if if that's the case, I'm charging three thousand. I know that, and the client will know that everything that I am actually recommending is a true recommendation based on your financial strength and based on your financial life and and what is actually not suitable but a fiduciary responsibility to tell you this is what is truly best for you and it's as much conflict-free advice yeah. as I possibly could give. You know, and, and again, to reiterate the point, you know, the, the fee-based world is not evil or anything like that. And, and, and when I left my last firm to launch, you know, to launch Script Financial, one of my mentors said, hey, you know, do you think that I would knowingly defraud people or, or put them in a product that wasn't, you know, right for them. And I said, no, I don't. I, you know, he was, he's a great guy. He still is. I still have contact with him. But my point is, if it doesn't have to be part of the equation, then why would I let it be? You know, if there's a better way to do it, then we should, you know, we should adopt that way. And for a lot of people, they're more entrenched in that model. So it's difficult to pivot out of it. And mm-hmm. I understand that. But I, I, again, I think if you have the ability to, you know, work with someone in that model, that's what I would recommend. If I, 
if, if I was hiring a, a, a financial advisor, that I would hire a fee-only financial advisor. And again, and, and to reiterate the point, I am a fee-only financial advisor, and I need a financial advisor because I need someone to objectively look at my situation, my goals, and hold me accountable to it and make sure that I, you know if my goals are A, B, and C, and me and my significant others are doing X, Y, and Z, I need someone to call me on the carpet and be like, look, we need to write the ship here. So so much of money is behavioral. It's, um, it's an emotional thing. And I think having that coach, that, that nag, that person to move you in the direction to meet your goals and to achieve your why is hugely important. Um, so, and obviously I'm, I am biased, full disclosure. I am, I am a financial planner, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say that, but uh, I'm a big believer. And I think that people that, people that you know, will invest in this and you know, take financial literacy seriously and because and, I think there's a void there in our, in our country, I think you're going to be better off in the long run. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why we started the podcast is, is to, to increase financial literacy among physicians, to provide you the education you haven't received in residency. I know firsthand, my wife, going through residency, was pitched a ton of products. And thankfully, she was married to someone who is in the know, someone who lives and breathes and dies this stuff. I love numbers. I love finance. I love planning. Yep. This is just, this is how I geek out. Thankfully, she was married to be, and a lot of our friends are very thankful because I've saved them from making a lot of big mistakes. Yeah. But people aren't lucky enough to be married to, or unlucky if you think about it, because she's got to <laughs> hold a budget and, and I hold her to a budget, you know, but they're not lucky enough to be married to someone like that. And so when you're going through just arming yourself with the education and I know that you're a little biased. I'm a little biased by saying like, hey, having a coach that's accountable, that keeps you going down the right path, that doesn't allow you to veer off, that doesn't allow you to blow up your plan over something stupid or, and trust me, physicians, you guys are going to be pitched a ton of crap. Yep. You're going to be pitched a ton of this yep. land deal or, or this other non-liquid REIT or yep. some this other whole life terrible, policy. these whole life. Oh my gosh. There's so many different things you guys are going to be pitched. Yeah. And having someone that can review it to just hold you accountable and say, don't blow up your plan. This isn't where you need to go. It's the same with pharmacists. You know, they are pitched a lot and they're, they're kind of a lot of different directions. People are coming out of them and it's easy to kind of be allured by some of these, you know, some of these salespeople out there because they, they've refined it. But Again, having that trusted advisor that you can just bounce a lot of this stuff off of is hugely important. And when, when we talk about like the financial literacy stuff, it is not taught. Everything that I learned about financial literacy, I learned from my parents, which they were not bad. And then I learned when I got into this industry. And I tell the story when I speak. Financial planning is a third career for me. You know, the first one was the army, and the second one was I was a material manager. So you know, think moving boxes from A to B. I got into that job. I was earning good money. I had access to a 401k, so I went to set it up. And you know, I'm setting up my allocation. I'm like, what the heck is small cap value fund? So I go, I buy investing for dummies. I read the first five pages, and I'm like, nope, I'm going to pick every fund that returns the highest, which at 20-something was okay. Mm-hmm. But I was basically flying by the seat of my pants. And the point is, is that it's not something that we're taught. And pharmacists are, you know, PharmDs, they're doctors. Obviously, you, you work with doctors that are very highly educated, but I've had those clients come to me and say, hey, Tim, I don't know what a mutual fund is. And you know what? That is completely okay. Absolutely we're going to fix okay. that. We're going we're gonna to work through that. Knowing that is important. And, and, it, and if they don't know it, you know, they have, they, for me, they have the education there and they can, you know, we can go through that or they have me, I'm going to give them the recommendations and they're, they're going to know that if they have any question that a dollar sign is, you know, there, then I'm going to be their guy. 
and I want to go back to this is we did have the disclosure that we're financial planners and that we have a little bit of bias here Mm -hmm. in saying that. I'm going to tell the listeners something right now. You guys are significantly smarter than Tim and I. (laughs) Yeah. You guys are, you (laughs) guys are doctors. You guys are doctors, but you're smarter in a different way. You guys take care of people. You heal people. Something that we could never do. We just happen to be money nerds that really like dealing with finances and other people's finances. It's what we've gone to school with. It's what we've trained for. Just like you guys have gone through residency and you trained. We've done the same thing inside of here. But you guys can do it yourself. Mm-hmm. Like if you have the time and the dedication and the desire to want to learn Discipline. all these fun yep. these things, all these fun things that we think are fun, you can. But if you don't think you can, or you don't have the time, or you don't have the desire, or you don't think that you can hold it to a plan when the market corrects twenty five percent, you really should reach out to someone. Yeah, and sometimes it's just a sanity check. And like you said, it's you know, it, it, especially in the investment world. Your body, your human behavior will tell you to act in a way that you should really act the opposite. Mm-hmm. When the sky is falling, you should be buying in. When everything is bullish like it is now, you should be more cautious. And I think an advisor will basically steer you from walking off that ledge. And the investment is just one part of the financial plan. The CFP board said there's five others. You know, you have estate insurance and retirement and fundamentals and all that kind of stuff. It's just one portion of it. But just to keep all the balls in the air in terms of like, hey, Ryan, did you do your estate planning documents? You know, where are we at with quoting and buying a life insurance or a disability policy? You know, hey, you had a child, you know, what's the 529 situation look like? Or, you know, you want to buy a house, having a down payment or working through, you know, loans for doctors or something like that. There's there's so many things. And just, just the monthly spending plan, because the budget is a yucky word, just having those discussions and all that kind of stuff. It's a lot of stuff. And absolutely, you could learn just about anything via YouTube, but you can learn this stuff. It's just a matter of having the coach, having that objective approach, be able to provide that shortcut, but just to, it's, it's a lot. It's of almost like a personal trainer. Actually yeah, listening yeah, to this it, 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 and hearing you speak, it actually seems uh, almost like personal training. What it, and almost like it almost, you know, in a way, I think some financial planners get upset that when I say that because it almost not trivializes or commoditizes the, the, the industry. If you can affect behavior and, and move your client in a way that is going to keep their why in the forefront of their mind, in the forefront of their plan, that is a powerful thing. And that is much more valuable, I think, than saying, okay, well, let's do a backdoor Roth IRA conversion or something like that, or picking the absolute most efficient disability policy or the right repayment plan. Those are just very secondary, in my opinion. And, And here's the value bomb, guys and gals out there. The reason why financial planners focus on the investment returns and the investments itself is because that is where the money is. Mm-hmm. The fee-based guys, they know that they can just charge AUM and qualify you as a client right away. Knowing what kind of accounts you have, 401ks, IRAs, whatever, knowing what's in the account, that's where the fees sit, that's where it is, that's why all the talks are technical. They don't really get into the actual true planning. And what Tim and I have been describing here is true financial planning. I think also because the investments is kind of the sexy part of the plan, you know, you know, you have the talking heads and what the market is doing and all that kind of stuff. And, and really, my approach to investing is it should be as boring, I think, as paying off a student loan or budgeting. It really, I think the sexier and the more sizzle that it has 
probably the more that you're paying and the more volatile it could potentially be. Mm-hmm. And I'm a very much a proponent of keeping it simple, stupid, and knowing that the investment is part of the plan, but all the other stuff that we're talking about with kind of the behavioral finance and all that is even more important. And again, people, other advisors, fee-based advisors will lead with product and they'll lead with investments because that's typically a black box and that's the best way to qualify them and that's how they get paid. Mm-hmm. It's understandable, but again, I think there's a better way. Yeah, and, it, and this is true financial planning and I'm so excited to be a part of the XY Planning Network to have met you through this this is the future of planning. Thank you so much for being on. I've had a great time. I think everyone's learned a lot. You definitely dropped some knowledge here and and I appreciate it. So thank you so much for being on. Thanks for having me on and appreciate it. Awesome. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much, Tim, for taking out the time at the conference to have this discussion with me. I had a great time and I hope that you as listeners had a great time as well and took something of value out of this. It's a kind of a black box as we talk about, and there's so many different ways that fee-based advisors can get compensated that it's really hard to tell if they're giving you true, accurate, honest recommendations that really benefit you or if it really benefits them. So I encourage you to go, if you're working with an advisor, to ask them how they get paid, what are all the sources of income that they can get from our relationship working together. I know that in my practice, I try to have as much transparency and to have as little conflicts of interest as possible. It's honestly just the only way I can sleep at night. I've never worked as a fee-based advisor. So I really appreciate Tim coming on and explaining all the other things uh, in different ways that fee-based advisors can get compensated. Next show, we're going to have Travis Hornsby from Student Loan Planner on. And I'm really excited to have this conversation with Travis. Uh, We tackle a ton of student loan debt questions, things that are coming up, things that have been proposed by the administration here. It's chock full with tons and tons of great info. So thank you again. I hope you had a great time listening to the conversation between Tim and I. And uh, until next time. Thank you for listening to the Financial Residency Podcast. This episode has ended, but your financial residency continues online. Head over to financialresidency.com, where you'll find links to any resources mentioned in today's episode, along with other valuable tips and information that will help you regain your financial freedom. That's financialresidency.com.